Big Conversations Little Bar with your hosts Randy Florence and Patrick Evans, featuring candid conversations with the Coachella Valley's most interesting and influential people. Pull up a bar stool and enjoy Big Conversations Little Bar. Welcome to another edition of Big Conversation Little Bar. I'm Patrick Evans here with my co-host Randy Florence. Welcome. You know, 26 episodes in and we're still not getting better. <laughs> no, uh, we are better because usually I say welcome say at the, at the end, end. That's true. So I've improved significantly. We've reached uh, a certain point where we have we've called it a season. We've had 26 episodes. That is unbelievable. Big conversations. And as my father said, there are no small conversations, just small conversationalists. Uh, and now I know what he meant. Uh, we are... <laughs> going to spend the next few minutes talking a little bit about the the past season and some of our favorite guests. Uh, Randy's going to mention some of his least favorite guests, which I think is rude, but that's what he's going to do. Host. Least favorite host. (laughs) Least favorite host. That's going to be part of the conversation. Okay. (laughs) And uh, we'll also uh, give give a little opportunity to get to know one another a little better, just to converse with each other. So maybe folks of you out in the audience who listen to this and don't know who either one of us is, we might be able to shed some light on that. So let's let's talk a little bit about how we put this together um, here in the center of the Coachella Valley universe. As I recall, through the hazy fog of Little Bar... (laughs) It was over cheeseburgers and drinks. And I believe it was after tasting Mezcal for the first time that you thought, wow, this is going to be a great idea. Yeah. So I'm sitting, (laughs) I'm driving in thinking about a podcast idea. And the only thing it took to germinate was a couple of beers and those cheeseburgers. And And Skip saying, yes, we should, we should say once again, how appreciative we are of Skip Page here at Little Bar, who has hosted us this entire season. Is, Is Skip saying you are going to do a podcast and you're going to do it over there the same as Skip saying yes? No, he didn't say you're going to do a podcast. He said, that's a great idea. I've always wanted to do a podcast, but I don't have the time. You guys, and I said, what if we do it here? And he said, that's a great idea. You can do it over at that corner. That's right. So it worked out very well, I think, for all involved. It did for me because I get to hang out in a bar every week. The nice thing is we're all losing about the same amount of money throughout the uh, entire process. So. <laughs> so. And, of course, the season would not have been possible without John McMullen, who uh, has been instrumental in not only engineering each of our podcasts, but also making sure that they get up on the appropriate platforms. And, you know, John shared with us some listenership numbers that I found really impressive for a, a newbie podcast. And, and uh, well, you've had experience doing podcasts. You, you did one. Not, not a good one. <laughs> <laughs> so this one's been a different experience for me. It was your take two. <laughs> we actually have listeners for this one. Talk about that. <laughs> we do. We have, uh, you know, and they're listening. Now, hopefully, one of the things that I found uh, really gratifying is not just kind of the number of listeners we've generated, but also, and I think this is a very important number. Most of the people who listen, listen to damn near the whole thing. Which is I don't even listen to, to the whole thing. So it amazes me that people do. What, what did we have? The average listener was listening for 46 minutes. Yes, and our average podcast length is 12. So I don't, I don't know what they're listening to. Well, they have to listen to it multiple times to get it. <laughs> what did they say? Uh, so, you know, looking back, we've had a really impressive roster of first season guests. And I want to start by saying, once again, Skip Page just really set the bar very, very high. Great stories about not only how the big music festivals came about, but but how he got involved in that in the first place. Fascinating guy. Yeah, and it meant something to him when he was talking about his partner, Paul, and uh, Tolette. You could, you could kind of feel what that all meant to Skip. And just being in this bar, you can tell what it means to him. Yeah, I'm thrilled to be doing this, and I'm really excited he let us do it here. Oh, absolutely. Well, I, you know, there are... Any number of podcasts, some of which originate right here in the Coachella Valley, but none from Little Bar. It makes it special. You know, there's a podcast out there, and this blew me away. I just heard uh, an advertisement for it. And Jason Alexander of Seinfeld fame is now doing a podcast based on, on Mel Haber's book, Bedtime Tales from the Ingleside Inn. I don't think he ever met Mel. <laughs> like, how did and that guy get that guy? I knew Mel very well. Yeah. I'm like, he's George. He did George was never. Kramer might have been. 
at the Eagles side, but George was never there. Have you listened to it? No. 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 Well, if he hasn't talked to us, he's not really doing anything about Coachella Valley. Uh, you know, one of my other favorite guests came early on in the season, and that was Judith Chapman, uh, <laughs> who dropped a bombshell that I'd never, I've known her for years. And, you know, great soap opera actress and, and also a great director of local plays. Uh, but she was up for the part of Princess Leia in Star Wars. I, was, the look on your face when she said that was pretty awesome. <laughs> personally interviewed, flown in for the interview by, by George Lucas himself. Yeah. It's crazy. It's very crazy. You know, I think throughout the 26 episodes, it's always looked like you enjoyed yourself. But the moments where you got most excited was at some random mention of Star Trek. Well, that was Star Wars. But, yes, I like and, it. And, well, that's true. Uh, there there and, are two different franchises. You know that, right? I do not know that. <laughs> Should I go back and look at some of the movies? <laughs> No, um, no, don't bother. Just rewatch everything everywhere all at once and but, you'll be fine. But I find it interesting how many of the people that we talked to at some point made a reference related to Star Trek somehow well, or the other. I mean, there's really – that franchise has been around for nearly 60 years, 57 years this year. Mm-hmm. So there's 60 – I mean, almost all of us has had a chance to guest star in an episode. So <laughs> – I played a triple in 1968. (laughs) There's like two degrees of separation. But one of the people that we had on was Fred Bronson, who wrote three different episodes of Star Trek. Right. And was the publicist for the animated series. So that was, you know, that was very cool. uh, I I loved some of the the things he talked about early on, too. The other thing that has been a common thread throughout this is the number of crushes that I hear about throughout these. And and Fred... Dated Connie Stevens. No. Well, they went to lunch. He won a contest. <laughs> but he was 11. That was translated into my head as though Randy, <laughs> at 19 years old, had gone out with Connie Stevens. Right, because you had a crush on Connie oh, Stevens? Big time. Well, yeah. you could enter the same contest. I think they run it every year. Maybe you'll <laughs> get lunch with her. <laughs> it's not going to be very interesting for either one of us. <laughs> what were some of your highlights? Hmm. You know, and I know Bruce Fessier, because you had him on your original podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you were chomp, champing at the bit to get him back in here. And, I mean, you could do, Bruce should do a podcast of his own. No doubt. You because know, he's encyclopedic in his knowledge of what has happened in this desert. We've had um, the good fortune of having some people on the show who really have been here since the beginning and have been writing about it since the beginning, and, and Bruce being one of those. You know, I am so fascinated, and this, this came out in the old podcast that I did too, but I'm so fascinated by the, the underbelly of the mob that exists here. And every one of them wants to talk about <laughs> it somehow the mob, or the I, other. I, I, does the mob have an underbelly, or is it the <laughs> underbelly of society? It is the underbelly. I, um, and you know it was made up by, you know... Caucasian people to keep the Italians down. That's the way I feel. It's a totally art- artificial thing that you guys made up. So you're saying it doesn't exist. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, but Todd Goldberg, uh, whom you brought on board as a guest, and I still think this is a good idea. We need to get Todd and Bruce together to do, yeah. because they know more about the supposed mob here in the Coachella Valley. They do. Well, Todd's stories, I mean, first of all, if you haven't read Todd's books, um, Gangster One I would re- yeah, so I would really recommend The Low Desert also. It's a short uh, series of short stories about the desert, but you'll recognize all of the places. You'll even recognize perhaps a clown who's in a rearview mirror. Never mentioned by name. Nope, never mentioned by name, yeah. but we all freaking know who Todd's <laughs> talking about. Um, who is also going to be a guest on the podcast. <laughs> I feel certain. It will be. It'll be a quiet hour. Um, but I remember... Uh, Todd started talking about his mom, Jan Curran, who had been the society writer for the Desert Sun for years and years and years. And Todd talked about sometimes he'd come home and there'd be one of her dates and the date would go, what size shoe do you wear? Take him out and open up the trunk and Todd would end up with some new spats or something for the day. So <laughs> we, we have people that while they also talk about that underbelly, They've apparently made out pretty well because of it also. I mean, Todd dressed, Todd and his mom dressed very well. Well, because Todd of always said that he couldn't figure out how his mom was always so well dressed for the galas she covered yeah. on a newspaper salary. And then he finally, as he got older, realized, oh, 
Oh, it's the boy she's dating. You know, Todd opened up a can of worms, too, talking about a character that I had never heard of in the valley called the Tan Man. Oh, the Tan Man. That's right. And he worked for the Tan Man. And as a matter of fact, I saw later that Brian Blue Sky had actually Googled it and found an article about the Tan Man. But the Tan Man was uh, Todd's employer who helped him sell and then rip off... uh, people who stayed at the hotel. Yeah, he basically set up shop at a hotel, yeah. sold tan tan lotion, and then they would grab the bottles after they got drunk and fell asleep and, and resell them, fill them up and sell them again. But he never really, the tan man didn't work for any of these hotels. He would just show up, And I think he ended bucks. up, he, he owed Todd 165 bucks or something like that. And by the Todd end is of it. still mad about it. He is mad. That was a big part of the podcast. He brought up another very interesting guest, Brian Blue Sky, who is also a gentleman that you've known. Uh, I, uh, Brian, uh, we've met a couple times, but got to know him better on the podcast. No one knows more about indie music and the music scene than Brian Blue. I mean, he's forgotten more than I'll ever learn about that kind of music. Yeah, no doubt about more it. More than I want to, but that's beside the point. <laughs> Well, we have had some experiences here, as I mentioned. Uh, While I may be significantly older than you, musically, I'm about 20 years younger. At least. So I know there's been things, uh, including conversations around emo music and stuff like that, that I've been able to help you I still don't know what that is, but I did really enjoy how Brian could really talk about, I mean, taking deep dives into the festival lineups, particularly Coachella's lineups over the years, because they've really changed, you know, when... And you still get some headliners that you recognize, but fewer and farther between. You know, this is how music is changing and how these festivals are changing, and it's it means something to Brian and, and a group of people that go to this festival. Yeah, this year we got to see the best of writing about Coachella. I think we saw Brian, who did a fantastic job at the what's the local paper called? It's the Desert, Desert Sun. Sun. Desert Sun has been Sun. for a very long time. Um, it's not really local. It's published in Phoenix. I don't want to rub that in there. I don't. Want, I wouldn't. I don't want to point that out other than just to point it out. It's not really a local paper. Well, but we have a know, big market. We all enjoy USA Today and all of the articles they publish in, in the local paper from Phoenix. <laughs> Got a little uh, off topic there. Uh, but between him and what Bruce Fessier has been writing nonstop uh, on his Facebook page, he did some fantastic stuff on Coachella. I'm really surprised you and I didn't write anything. We had a pretty uh, interesting experience. It was an incredible 90 minutes. 35, 35 minute experience <laughs> at Coachella. The bus ride was longer <laughs> than my experience at Coachella. Was that the first time you've ever been high? <laughs> I was just a contact high. <laughs> because I was standing next to you, I don't mind pointing out. Oh, well. My good friend. <laughs> It's amazing what you can get into the festival with. <laughs> a nine-foot bong. Actually. But you can't bring in a bottle of water. I was frisked and told if I didn't take pot in, I would be asked to leave. All you had to do was <laughs> use the words you just used, and they would not have frisked you. If you said, I don't have pot, they would go, we believe you. But nobody calls it pot. Weed? Is weed the accepted Or, or reefer. No one says reefer anymore. <laughs> No one's all right. Uh, Fred Bell had the funniest story I think of any of our guests when he was attacked and nearly killed by a penguin at SeaWorld. SeaWorld. Yeah, I didn't really. I, I mean, I had met Fred. All I all I really knew of him is he seems like one of the happiest guys in the valley from watching his Facebook page. But when he went into that story, I. I don't think I stopped laughing for about a day and a half. I had heard that story and. Uh, it doesn't get older with the telling. It just gets better. Now, nah, you, you definitely want to listen to the story of the emperor penguin, the murder penguins. The murder the penguin. The murder penguins, yeah. Uh, our first husband and wife couple was uh, Melissa Niederman and her husband, Tim Gross, who is the touring keyboardist for Bruce Spring... No. <laughs> I just did it again. Bruce Springfield. An emo guy. No. Rick Springfield. That's him. Yeah. Very good. John, we're going to edit that out and clean it up. No, no, no. Rick Springfield, um, who, by the way, is coming to town. He'll be here in December and apparently on the birthday of Melissa Niederman. Melissa Niederman, who was on that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That was um, our first episode with a couple. Yes. Uh, But we subsequently did that again with Lisa Bossler and Philip Smith. 
And I was actually surprised when they told us that it was the first time anybody had ever thought to interview the two of them together. I think we're on to something here. Well, that was pretty remarkable because they're both incredibly accomplished people and they have a lot of history. And I'm surprised, but I guess also not. I mean, you can get a great podcast out of either one of them. But having them together, I thought, was really a, a very interesting perspective. Yeah, I, and I think pretty clearly this is the podcast that people want to be on. So, uh, You enjoy uh, inviting guests on from the local paper that's published in Phoenix. And one of my favorites of that uh, particular uh. ilk was Larry Bohannon, who's been a buddy of mine uh, for many years. My, my first wife worked at the paper, and I got to know Larry, so this is going back nearly 20 years. And uh, Larry has so many great stories, but he tells them in this kind of subtly self-deprecating way that makes them very entertaining. And you don't really pick up on it until a couple of minutes after he's finished. <laughs> it's like, that was really funny, Larry. <laughs> the, the timing of having him on was really interesting, too, because it was right in the middle of that whole PGA live golf thing mm -hmm. um, and we got some really good explanation from Larry about what he thought was going to happen there. I, I actually am really interested in, in doing a follow up with him uh, because things kind of blew up on that story not too long after we were on. You know the other thing that we haven't really talked about here and I think everybody in the valley needs to know about this if you're, if you're writing a book or putting out a record or doing anything um, new um, Virtually everybody that's come on here has kind of blown up right after their their appearance on here. Sean, Sean LaBelle, he was I think our second guest. Uh, he's a friend of mine. And he he produces television commercials, but he's a smooth jazz uh, star. And his current hit, Feel the Breeze, is still uh, charting on uh, Sirius XM. What is there? Oh, is it Watercolors? What's the jazz station, John? I think it is Watercolors. <laughs> John, I don't know. <laughs> Just like uh, that emo. It's uh, emo. No, but Sean, you know, uh, Sean has a long history in in the jazz business. But uh, his solo work, I think, he's really kind of focused on in the last couple of years. He's got another single coming in off of the the album, and he had such good results with Feel the Breeze. They're very excited about his next single. So yeah, well, and, and he sent it to me. I can't. I'm not allowed to talk about it or play it, but it's really good. <laughs> really good we, we I I remember the other guests too you know we're doing this in a bar right and so Skip has been very nice with some of the guests and ourselves and every once in a while somebody ends up with a drink here uh, and a lot of times you'll hear him being made in the background which I think adds to the the ambience of the show but one of our guests I thought it was really cool and I, I won't mention this one by name but uh, as we often do we started out at the pre-interview, which basically is what kind of drink do you want? Um, asking if there's anything we shouldn't talk about. And oh, yes. the guest said, well, I, I'm writing a book, but don't I don't want to talk up. about it. And we were really good. We said, great. First question out of my mouth was, how's retirement going? Well, I'm writing a book. <laughs> yeah. And him and one other <laughs> one of our guests, Vince Battaglia, both said, maybe I shouldn't have had those drinks before we got started. But I would totally disagree with that because we got better information. Oh, we got such great stuff. I mean, certainly, and our, our host, Skip, always says, you know, I, I want edgier guests. Yeah. Which is why we had Fred Bronson on. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Fred, and I love Fred, and, and I know that he listens. He may be the least edgy person I know, but he, he had great stories. But uh, Vince was certainly our edgiest guest. That was our first not safe for work podcast. Uh, he did drop a few f bombs. Yeah. Um, and, and but you know what I found really fascinating about Vince? First of all, just the sheer unabashed honesty. Right. Well, Vince is clearly a guy who doesn't really owe anybody anything. He's pretty comfortable with who he is. Yes, he is, <laughs> and he'll just come out and tell you who he likes and who he doesn't like. No walk at a fine line. So. <laughs> Certainly enjoyed having Vince on. We should have Vince on again. I mean, he's he's a fascinating guy. And, like, his family story, you know, the, the family immigrating from Italy and, and how that all came about. It's a, it's a, Go back and listen to that one, folks. That's Yeah, a good one. we've got some really good stories. You know, we had a uh, – we also had a guest on here. It was a really unique experience. Um, the a gentleman you invited on the show, Bill Getty, 
want to talk about that a little bit. Bill Getty uh, certainly stands out in our first season, I, I think, head and shoulders above our other guests only because uh, it was Bill's last interview, uh, full-length interview. Bill died very suddenly shortly after recording that with us, uh, which was a shock. I'd been friends with Bill for many years. We played golf a few times. I've been to his house. Uh, Bill, of course, was the creator of The View, co-creator with Barbara Walters, but he produced Barbara Walters specials. He was as big a wig as you get in big wig TV uh, without maybe heading a network or being a nightly news anchor. Yeah, not a put down to any of our other guests, but I think no, it's not pretty easy to say Bill was easily the most influential guest that we had on the podcast. Uh, I, I think from a pop culture standpoint, that's probably true because the, the view is still on the air mm -hmm. and still interesting and sometimes controversial. Uh, and you're always kind of waiting for it to blow up. You know, like the, the combination of personalities yeah. seems just on the verge. But that's how he kind of planned it. And that's, you know, how Barbara Walters wanted it. And, but the fact that, that we had the opportunity to sit down with him, and, and he and I were, the Tuesday before he died, we were discussing, uh, he was talking about the state of television and, and maybe that the networks are for sale and there's going to be something wholly different coming up. And he said, I've got uh, really, really interesting information about that. And I, I want to talk with you guys again about it. We were planning another podcast and, so, I mean, now he's gone. So we were just so lucky to have that moment in time with Bill Getty. Yeah, I feel really lucky. I mean, I know you were friends and you'd known Bill for a while, but I, I felt his presence when he walked in the room, and it stayed that way until he walked out of the room. Yeah. You know, he was a big, big guy. I mean, he's tall and substantial, but his presence was more than just his physical presence. He, yeah. you know... He's one of those people where when he walks in the room, you're pretty assured that's probably the smartest guy in the There's room. no doubt about it. Well, the second I started talking, I knew that I wasn't, <laughs> so it worked out well. You know, we've also had a couple of uh, local people on that I think we can take full credit. You know, Brooke Bear, an old friend Barry. of yours. Barry. Uh, what, an old I friend know that of you've yours. gotten to know her well through our <laughs> apparently, Apparently not as well as I thought I did. Um, but before... Um, I mean, look what's happened since she was on the podcast. She got a fantastic new job. She's been in a movie. All, all of that, by the way, happened before she appeared on the podcast. God, you're just screwing the whole thing up here. We are singularly <laughs> we're, responsible we're take respons for Brooke Berry's yeah, success. No, her uh, film was, uh, her. it's a short film. Uh, and every time I talk about it, the name escapes me. But it was written by Carolyn Malashko, who was a producer for CBS Local 2, produced Eye on the Desert for many years. She wrote the, the, the script, and Brooke started it. Melissa Neiderman had a role in it. It was produced by Palm Springs Women in Film and Television, and it was screened at the L.A. Film Festival and did very well. Um, and it's about a, uh, a woman who loses a child, and it's a really difficult topic, and they tackle it in a 20-minute film in this beautiful way. Yeah, and it goes from beginning to end. It, you, you, it's like you've watched a two-and-a-half-hour film yeah. by the time you're done with it. Yeah. Uh, and and the um, Melissa Neiderman was involved with that one also? She, she co-stars yep. uh, as well as helped, I think, uh, do some of the producing behind the scenes. So yeah, We talked a little bit about the fact that the Palm Springs Women's Film. I, I Palm don't know. Springs Women in Film and Television. You're good with names. Let's I talk about Scott White. I can't do anything that starts with Palm Springs. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we, we are uh, one of our future guests is going to be Kim Waltrip. Looking I'm forward. Really looking she's forward she's to the it. head of uh, uh, the board at P-Swift. You can just say P-Swift. P-Swift. There you go. And, but I'm a Swifty. She was instrumental in helping create uh, the Filmmaker's Lab, which is where that movie came from. The Splendor of You. That's the name it. of the film. The Splendor yeah. of You. And... They're going to do a lot more of that sort of thing because what they, Kim has made movies and, and, and really interesting films that have been at many film festivals. So what she's bringing is the, the idea that you just get everybody involved and make a short so everybody sees how it's done, what to do. They get to try on different hats and, and do different jobs so that when they go apply for a job in Hollywood, they say, no, I did this. So, You know, it's interesting. We've got a couple of folks like that in town. I know... Todd Goldberg, who we talked about earlier, um, runs the MFA program 
uh, at UC Riverside for writers, and their entire goal is not to teach you how to write. It's to teach you how to get published. That's right. You know, and he told us this, and I think that's a really fascinating take on it because you can go to a lot of places and the professors are very ethereal and express yourself and da-da-da. No, no, their goal is we're going to get you published and we're going to teach you how to make money from the artwork that you're doing. That would be nice. Wouldn't that be lovely? <laughs> As we do a podcast. You know, one of the other guests uh, that you invited. But I wouldn't call this artwork, <laughs> except on rare moments when it's sourced, thanks to our guests. Kind of with crayons. Um, <laughs> one of the folks you had on here that really turned out to be some of the most fun I had the whole time was Terry Ray. Uh, and he told just some unbelievable stories, including seeing Batman. In his skivvies. In his tidy whities Yeah. 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 Tell uh, us about Terry a little bit. Well, t- Terry is uh, a, a, a character actor. I think he would accept that that mm-hmm. title. Uh, and he's probably one of the most famous actors that you may not know, but you've seen him in a million different things. Yeah. He's, he's And he's prolific. But I got to know him because he, he wrote a play loosely based on his experiences growing up as a closeted gay guy in kind of rural Ohio uh, called Electricity. And it's a terrific play, and it, it may eventually make its way to Broadway. They were, they were really close to that when COVID hit. So, uh, and it's a, it's a fascinating look at coming out and, and dealing with being gay in a place that maybe is not as accepting. We live in the bubble of, of the Coachella Valley where, you know, who cares? Right. <laughs> right, John? <laughs> John's like, I don't care. Uh, John's like, <laughs> what are we talking about? I'm not even sure I care about this conversation. Uh, but Terry um, is a playwright and uh, a, a TV, a screenwriter. Um, he's got this wildly entertaining YouTube channel. That YouTube channel, channel thing. His uh, TV therapy? Is that the name yeah, of it? Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, like, he gets... Go not go for um, Isaac, Isaac the bartender. Yeah, from the love boat on, and and they all appear as their character, right. and they Tabitha all ta- from Bewitched, Tabitha, and they all talk about you know the issues that like he was like yeah well I'm a bartender on a boat and everybody's hooking up except me except I did get to hook up with Marion Ross and like whoa whoa what. <laughs> It wasn't Marion Ross. I'm kidding about that. Uh, too bad. I had a crush on her, too. No, it was Julie, no. the cruise director. Yeah, yeah. And, and Terry put it together like Isaac wasn't kidding. Like, apparently the two actors had a little fun. But that's, that's what, but Terry was terrific. But he runs the... Uh, the uh, um, Actors Lab. Actors Lab. Yeah. Is that correct? I think it is. Something like that. Something He's teaching like acting out He's here. teaching acting, and it's yeah. a very famous franchise, but... Uh, and he had the longest-running play... Electricity was it in yeah. Palm Springs, and uh, he's a very, very gifted uh, teacher of acting as well. So if you want to take some acting classes, reach out to Terry Ray. Plus, he started the Bent, which is uh, now the only LGBTQ theater company in the Valley. Yeah. So I mean, he's doing a lot of really interesting stuff. Yeah, you want to listen to that one? That was funny. He also talks about getting fired by a dog. He was um, fired by a dog. That's correct. Uh, so was David Hasselhoff by the same dog, but wouldn't admit it. He wouldn't admit it. And you'd think after everything David's been through, there wouldn't really be anything that he'd be afraid to admit. And I'm not point. allowed to say this, but David Hasselhoff was a client of my wife's. <laughs> Shh, I'm not allowed to say that. Hey, you know, we've also been... Somebody else told me. My wife didn't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> What's also amazed me about this is a number of people that have said yes when we've asked them. You know, we've had some pretty, uh, we've had some local influencers. Well, one of the biggest gets, I think, and I think it's really thanks to John, uh, was Gary Keefe. Yeah, yeah. uh, Who is taking over the board of the McCallum Theater, but runs Stiletto Entertainment, and really was the godfather of merch. Yep. Wasn't that a great story? Merch didn't really exist for, for music acts. And really, networks. And like he created the merch for ABC. Yeah. Uh, kind of by accident. Yes. And then he got kind of stuck doing it. Rod Stewart wanted to do his merch. You know, wanted him to do the merch. He's like, I don't, I don't want to deal with it. Here, I'm just going to write you a check. You deal with the merch. <laughs> send me the royalties. No, he 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 was responsible for starting. Uh, musicals on cruise ships. That's right. And Gary he, Keith. Well, well, he and his husband, 
who some people might have heard of. Uh, he is, I think, recognizable in, in a certain genre. Barry Manilow. Barry Manilow. Oh, is it Barry Manilow is his husband? Yeah, it, it was funny. Uh, and I think you and I were pretty, pretty good about this. But we, of course, know that Gary is married to Barry Manilow. Neither one of us wanted to bring it up during the course of the podcast because we're here to interview Gary. We want to know about Gary. But within about three minutes, he kept referencing Barry, and he never said Barry Manilow, and he never said my husband. He just would throw out Barry, and you know, we just nod. And finally, I was like, "Okay, I need to address this." Yeah, the Barry in the room. <laughs> the Barry in the room. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then it was funny because Gary kind of nodded, like, "Isn't that why you guys had me?" I'm like, "No, that is not." That's but a, yeah, by the way, for all of you who have a very famous partner or spouse, we'd love to interview you. We don't need to talk to the partner and spouse until the second. But we will need some interesting dirt. They do. We do have to get good stories. You know, another um, local influencer uh, who probably had one of the best years of anybody in the Valley was the general manager of Aquasure Arena, John Bolton. This was a huge year for them. Well, first year, huge year, an enormous impact. Uh, And I will be honest, when... uh, Please, it, what episode is this? 25? Feels like about 40 now. Patrick's going to be honest. Go ahead. I'm going to be honest for the first. No. Uh, when, you know, first of all, they announced they were building an arena, and first it was going to be in downtown Palm Springs, and that was a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they said, no, we're going to put it here, and we're going to build it, and it's going to be up in two years and up and running. And I've been around the Valley for 20-plus years. I have seen a lot of people come in and make very grandiose plans and statements. Every word of what they said was true. Everyone. They they brought it to fruition on schedule, and it became, I think, one of the biggest cultural influences in the Valley in its first year. There's firebird fever in this town. People have embraced the hockey team, but... When you have uh, an auditorium that seats 12,000 people, you get a different kind of act than we've been seeing. And, I mean, Harry Styles shows up that to was town. A, on his birthday and Lizzo, the final tour. Li- Harry Styles, birthday, Lizzo. We've got Madonna coming to town. These are acts that would not have stopped here were it not for this arena. Yeah, I agree. I think it's been... Um I think it's going to be one of the most important things that helped the growth of this community. And you're right. We've seen so many of these things come. I mean, what was it, five years ago that we had a company talking about opening up a, uh, they were they were going to turn the Sam's Club in La Quinta into an arena. And they had already apparently set up Snoop Dogg as the first guest. Um, I'm, I'm not sure exactly who that company, it rhymes with Raxony. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. Saxony. Saxony. <laughs> Remember all the billboards up and down? Flash in the pan. Oh, man, were they. No, but, you know, and, and, and I was delighted to see that the Oakview Group was really committed to doing this. And obviously they connected with a local family that, that means a lot to hockey and is involved. And so, but what they've done to kind of change the face of entertainment, and I, I think the interesting thing to me is they don't really compete with the other entertainment right. venues. And we were talking about Gary Keefe who's taken over the, the McCallum. You know, that still has its niche. I mean, people who come to Acrisure aren't going to play the McCallum anyway and vice versa. That's right. So it, it only adds to the cultural distinctiveness of this incredible valley. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of the naysayers um, when this originally come in, who again, were probably people that were just used to over the years, these grifters coming in and out of the valley. <laughs> um, but I, and carpet baggers. I, I think the two things that, that they didn't think about was the uh, influence of the Northwest visitors that we have every year who love hockey, and they loved our hockey team. Um, and you I, fell in love with the hockey. Oh, you're I did right that, away. You're what? the reason that I went. Every hockey game I attended was with you. Wasn't it fun? Super fun. Yeah. Um, but also... I don't think we really understood how the ownership of that place was going to put acts into that arena that people were going to want to see. Well, that's the thing. It's like they're tied into such a, I mean, the ticketing of these big acts and the touring of these big acts, it's all a giant machine. And when, when you put a venue like that in a place, now 
the, the company that is putting all these tours together can leverage the act to say, eh, you know, by the way, we have a, an arena here in the Palm Springs area, and we need you to play yeah. a date there. And they do. Yeah. And, and, you know, so it's, it's great for the Valley. It, it's, it, it's amazing. Have you gotten your tickets from Madonna? I have not. Have you? I can't afford a ticket. <laughs> we need to talk about John. Talk to John. I'm Bolton. retired. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk to John Bolton. I haven't seen. I haven't seen any tickets since we had John Bolton on here. We might have to talk to him about that. Not, hey, not that we are trying to leverage. No, the no, no, no. We we would freebies. not do that. Um, no. What date is uh, Stagecoach this year? Skip. <laughs> um, I want to. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit here. You know, it, it's. Um, we've got. We're going to be 26 episodes into this thing when we finish our first season, and uh, we're already booked up through September. Um, so this thing has turned out to be, I Wait, think... Wait, we're doing more? <laughs> Was there a memo? I am. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're interviewing. Uh, <laughs> Good luck. We've... This thing's come a long way since we sat there at that bar. Um, could you anticipate, how long have you been in town now? 21 years? 21 years. Uh, and by the way, congratulations, 21 years at KESQ. That just came out. Re- I mean, I don't know what day this is or month or year, but. Most of the people listening. At some point, you will have celebrated your 21st. <laughs> it occurs <laughs> on, on August the 23rd every year. And which, by the way, quite oddly, is the same day that I met my wife. Really? August the 23rd, nine years ago. That's fantastic. Yeah. So that August 23rd is turns out to be a pretty good date. That's a really good in date. In my world. A oh, lucky date for you. Yes. Yeah. Not the so much show for her. is going live, by the way, on the 28th of August. Okay. So five so days ago. Five days ago. <laughs> when the show goes live. <laughs> uh, uh, I, but, but I guess my, my thought, my question is um, where you are right now. In the corner of a booth in at the Skip's corner bar. of a bar at Skip's Bar, mm-hmm. uh, corner of the booth at Skip's Bar, doing a podcast. Twenty-one years into your career here in the Valley, is sitting here with me really the highlight? John certainly has made this so much fun. <laughs> I mean, I just really. <laughs> but was there a plan B? Uh, <laughs> now, don't ask me about my family. Don't you dare. So, one of the things that has happened on the podcast. And <laughs> <laughs> Not that if you've listened to two episodes, you've you've missed some of it. Um, is just the difference in professionalism and quality between somebody who's actually done this and somebody who hasn't. When Patrick and I started, it was you know I was starting out pretty even as to who was going to start the show and who was going to end the show. But we were two weeks into it when we realized it was a mistake to have me doing either the intro or the outro. Now, well, you know, that's, I think, by the way, I think that by design, the concept of having, I mean, your ba- your background is banking, so you've stolen money all your life, and then you were the, the chairman of the of the Palm Springs Chamber of Commerce. Uh, just having people from different backgrounds do this, uh, I mean, you bring a very different perspective, and... We, that's, I think, the fun of it. And then setting it at a local bar that people love. Yeah. You know? Well, I describe it a lot of times uh, to people as though... And I'm kidding. I don't think bankers are thieves. That I, was a joke. Well, most of them were. Um, <laughs> a lot of the guys you work with. Yeah, most of them that I knew. I was going to be a happy... You were a reluctant banker. I was a reluctant banker. I just... I needed a paycheck. Um, but you were good at it. I mean, you did it for 40-plus years. Isn't that shocking? So at some point you must have enjoyed the banking aspect of it. I enjoyed um, the people part of the business. Right. Um, I was good at, at marketing. I was good at training. I was good at uh, leading groups. But I, I don't think any of that was specific to the banking business. I think wherever I had ended up... Uh, those skills were inherent. Well, you started in, in insurance, and you moved to banking, and you found a niche there, and you were very, very successful. Well, I got married in 1981, and quickly <laughs> realized. <laughs> but you know, pregnant. my wife has no, never spent more money than she thinks I can earn, and her belief in how much I've been able <laughs> to earn 
has been a confidence booster for me. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you, my wife spends more money than I can earn on a regular basis. Luckily, she could earn more money. But we talked about how kind of the roles developed a little bit into this thing where, I mean, there's nobody more professional behind a microphone than you are. You could, you literally can come in here and we can be talking to a guest for an hour that you've done no notes on. No, and but you, I can look over and read your notes, which, <laughs> and you take meticulous notes, which I greatly appreciate. Well, I come into this more from, like, the fan. Uh, uh, that's why I ask these goofy questions, like, was there a plan was B? There a plan was, B? <laughs> you know, did your, did your parents appreciate what you were doing when you grew up? Um, I come at it from that different angle, and I think we kind of cover it from a couple of different sides, which makes this even more interesting. Well, I, I think... You know, honestly, when you're doing a podcast, it, which was something I, I thought about, but sort of like Skip, I, I didn't want to put into the, all the work that goes into doing it. And you I were really clear did. about that. I did. <laughs> and I remain, I think, clear about that. <laughs> uh, look, I know how to sit down, put a, a headphone on, and record something. But I obviously don't have any idea how you take that recording and then get it yeah. where it needs to go to get the kind of listenership that we've, we've enjoyed in this uh, this freshman season. And But John McMullen did, and uh, he's done a fabulous job. He and, has. But you, mean, know, you know enough not to finish off the episode by welcoming people. Welcoming people at the end of the show is something we learn early on in broadcasting not, not to do. I'll tell you, look, we, everybody who gets behind a microphone, eventually you're going to say something stupid. And one time this was, I, I did a show called Live at Five. It was very much like I on the Desert. And I had a barbershop quartet group in. And the reason that they were in is they were having a big convention in honor of their 25th anniversary. First question I asked them, so, so long, how long have you guys been doing this? And the guy looked at me, it's like, uh, for 25 years, Patrick. <laughs> so, you know, it just. Did so, you realize? Yeah, and I really, and I should have asked my follow-up question, should have been, and how many people are in your quartet? Because that would have been the right follow-up i didn't do that but uh no you know you learn by doing and and you know i've been doing television and radio here in the coachella valley for 21 years but i've been on the air since 1988 yeah yeah why do you think this podcast is having the impact and, and it clearly is people who are listening to it both of them really have enjoyed the podcast why do you th- <laughs> One of them is John, and I don't know that he enjoys it. <laughs> and my wife. Well, no, my wife hasn't listened to any of them. Andrew's listened to five minutes of every podcast we've done. As soon as they introduce you and me, she clicks it off. How, why do you think people have said yes when we're asking them to be on this silly thing? Well, first of all, I think the allure that we don't do it in a sterile studio. Doing it here at Skips has a, a certain cachet and appeal. Um, you're a friendly face. Uh, I think I'm a friendly face. Like it's not coming on 60 minutes. No one feels like Mike Wallace just asked him to sit down. Yeah, you know, because then you know you're going to be indicted. Yes. <laughs> so for us, yeah. if Bruce Fessier sits down that's in right. front of you, if Bruce calls you to be on his podcast, don't, don't, uh, or get a lawyer first. <laughs> <laughs> and if you need a lawyer, call my wife. Uh, <laughs> SLKFamilyLaw.com. Let's go. We need another sponsor. Wow. It should be them. Yeah, but they're all free. Some of them are going to have to start paying at some point. That's true. Yeah. Um, no, I think, first of all, we're, we're friendly. I mean, you ran the Chamber of Commerce for a year, but people knew you in the community. You've done a lot of work around the community. We're not here to beat anybody up. We're, you know, we didn't even ask Scott White where he put all the money. We didn't ask him that. It, like, we're, well, we're it took me 45 minutes to figure out where he worked. He didn't know where he so. worked, so <laughs> what would you know to ask him? You just asked him, is there a plan B? And, and then you said, welcome, we should be starting and the off. show was over. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think, if, I, but I, I would say the, the reason that we have the listenership that we've enjoyed is the quality of guests that we've invited on the program. Uh, I think those people share their experience on this. And everybody, I think, has had fun. We had just had Sue Cameron on. Yeah. And Sue Cameron was uh, at The Hollywood Reporter, and she knows more about big celebrities than any of us ever will. Yeah. Because they trusted her 
She wasn't just a writer for The Hollywood Reporter. She became a confidant and a friend. And you listen to those stories. And, and, but, you know, she had fun being here. And we have fun being here. We did. Here. And I think that... And, it and comes across. She shares it with her friends. So all of our listeners have, like, passed it around and said, you know, actually, this was kind of fun. Maybe you should listen to it. So I think we're just very lucky to have the, the quality of guests that we do. I think so, too. And, and, and just looking at what we've got coming ahead um, in the second season, we've, we've already booked a number of great guests. I know we're... Tease it a little. Who have we got coming on? Well, we've there, got Randy? some... Uh, let's see. We have... Uh, Another big writer from the Valley, uh, Maggie Downs, is going to be joining us. Maggie Downs was also at the local paper published in Phoenix for many, many years. What's the name of the local paper? It's the Desert Sun. The Desert Sun. Uh, Michael Childers. Michael Childers, world-famous photographer who has photographed every celebrity that you've... Any picture that you remember, he took it. But he's also John Schlesinger's partner. That's right. Uh, incredible filmmaker and Kim Waltrip. Speaking of filmmaking, will be joining us. Uh, one of our favorite shows in the first season was a gentleman named Brad Parker, and Brad, uh, who's just in, been around the music business since the '60s, told some incredible stories. But Brad is married to, I think, somebody's going to be a fascinating podcast. Deb Greco. Deb for most of her life, has been known as one of the most influential veterinarians in the entire world. And a few years ago, decided she wanted to become one of the most influential ukulele players in the world. She was here with her husband during the... And she's one of the most unique individuals. That is going to be a really interesting... And you can get a second opinion about the your situation for her. Yeah, I think so, too. So... <laughs> <laughs> so who else do you want to have on here? Uh, well, Lisa we're Lynn. Have, we're going to have Car- Karen Devine. Karen Devine. Lisa Lynn from the Broken Hallelujahs. Uh, Lisa Lynn Morgan, who also is one of the most influential musicians. She plays, they can scale up or scale down. Yeah. The Broken Hallelujahs can be three people or I think eight. Yeah. Uh, and they... Uh, they lean country, but they can play anything. They're a really experienced group of musicians, but Lisa Lynn leads that group, and she is, she's remarkably talented, but also has just one of the most amazing giving hearts in the Valley. Uh, she plays at a lot of charity events and just donates her time to do that. And she's going to talk a lot about, um, as Brad did, um, the music scene up in Joshua Tree. Well, she's part of the uh, publishing group that does uh, Joshua Tree Voice. Right. Uh, along with Ray Rodriguez. Yes. Yep. Who also would be a fascinating guest? He probably would be. Big conversations at Casuelos Cafe. Yeah, he, no, he'd come over here. Or would he? Yeah, I, think <laughs> I he bet could. he would. It's a bar. He might bring tamales for us, but he'd come over here. Hey, uh, Rosie Casals, how cool is that going to be? You know, I thought four or five, six-time Wimbledon doubles winner with Billie Jean King. But more importantly, a founding member of the WTA. Yes. A member of the Tennis Hall of Fame not once but twice for her role. And she has been teaching uh, tennis to youth here in the Valley, and we're going to talk about some of that. And then uh, Ron Oliver. Ron Oliver is one of my most favorite people in this Valley. Uh, I don't see him often enough. He is he's a filmmaker and a screenwriter. Uh, he works very closely. He did some... Re- he's a magician. That's how he got started. Uh, and, and he holds true to his magician roots. Yeah. Uh, and is a proud member over at the uh, Magic Castle in L.A. And we may have some interesting conversations about the writer's strike. Well, Ron. I think we will. I mean, it still is ongoing, and there are going to be guests coming up. Uh, certainly, he will be here before the strike is resolved. Yeah. And um, we just confirmed today uh, another couple um, that are going to be here, Grant and Lisa Fewer. Grant, the Hall of Fame a hockey player yes, and indeed, he was one a of the announcer, goalie, one of the announcers of the Firebirds game, and one of the. And I think he'll talk about this. Um, and, and certainly in those days, as with most sports, guys were just smaller. Yeah. Uh, but for a goalie, he was physically smaller than a lot of the guys he was playing against and with, but was one of the more effective goalies. And I think that's kind of a really interesting story about about Grant. Uh, plus. One of the very first prominent black players in the NHL. Absolutely. And and the, quite a story that Lisa and Grant will tell. They run a foundation in town. 
um, and, and they'll tell that story too, which is pretty amazing. And I've known Lisa for many years when I first moved to the Valley, and, and she is lovely and delightful, and she and, and Grant have really built something special. And, and I think Grant now kind of is really enjoying this second career, which he doesn't need. Yeah. Uh, well, no, he's a plus two handicapped golfer. He could be out making money doing that. I, I think he does spend a little time on a golf course. <laughs> he I does. Think he might co. It might be a co-owner of a of, uh, certainly an investor in one of the local <laughs> courses. Um, but yeah, that's going to be great fun because you know coming off the inaugural season where our uh, Firebirds damn near won the oh. Calder Cup. One they goal away. More points in all of the seven games. Yeah. If they had been distributed equally, we would have won. One goal away from winning I, the championship. I think we need to change the rules. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't care how many points you score during the game. Actually, if we say it on this podcast, doesn't that make it so? No. Oh, so Absolutely. we couldn't just say the Firebirds won the championship? Uh, no. <laughs> no, that would just make us wrong, uh, which wouldn't be the first time all season. Hey, listen, we've only got a minute here, but I, I just. I want to say personally that that day that I looked at you at the bar and said, have you ever you considered a... <laughs> oh, no, that was a different day. <laughs> that was way after. Uh, um, have you ever been interested in doing a podcast? Yes. Would you consider doing it with somebody else? Yes. Would you consider it with me? I would still consider it with somebody else. <laughs> I do know, I do, I do realize that I'm auditioning for the co-host position every single week here. Uh, but you know what? I think it makes me better. No, it, I, this has been uh, absolutely a, a pure passion project. It's yeah. so much fun. Uh, Skip has made it a lot of fun. Yes. And, and again, I think we owe a lot of credit to Skip for being an incredible first guest because people were like, okay, I know. I know what Skip did, and I want to listen to this podcast, and, and then they'll be like, okay, now I want to listen to the next few guests, just because we're running on Skip's coattails. So we really appreciate what he yeah, and I, I want to thank everybody here at the at the bar that's been so wonderful to us, reserving our table every week. Uh, we've ended up with a couple of drinks uh, and the best $9 cheeseburgers in the valley no question about it yeah so you want to spend some time at little bar and have the buffalo bites too those are also wonderful patrick i can't believe we get to do this and we get to do it for at least one more year thanks for joining me on this wait it's a whole year are you sure about that six months <laughs> how long is the season i don't know it changes. It's got to be six months. It's got to be somewhere in there. Now, and again, it, it, this is in large part the success, the, the listener, listenership that we've garnered is thanks to John McMullen because he knows how to put it out on a platform and and uh, get people to come around and, and try it. And I think once they try it, they're at least interested because we get some really fascinating guests. And we love the guests that we've had on. We're so appreciative. We do and we are looking forward to season two, and we certainly hope that you are as well. And Randy, this it, no, it's truly a ple pleasure. We got we were good friends before this started, uh, and I think this. Anyway, is, we're still good friends. We are still good friends. <laughs> uh, we just recently spent a whole weekend together, and we're still good friends. And we're still good friends. Maybe not as good as when it started, but you know, look. <laughs> well, Andrea and I are getting along much better. <laughs> well, you had some bridges to build there. <laughs> So it's, that's good news. That's great. No, this is terrific fun. So uh, on behalf of John, on behalf of Randy, and our thanks to the team here at Little Bar, thank you to all of you who uh, check this out on occasion, and we hope that you will do so in the coming second season. We promise uh, just as interesting guests and a lot of fun and a lot of laughs right here on Big Conversations Little Bar. I'm Patrick Evans. Thanks for joining us. And welcome. Thanks for listening to Big Conversations Little Bar. Join Randy and Patrick next time as we keep the conversation going right here on Big Conversations Little Bar. Little Bar.